the Colby Daniels Podcast, episode 14. What's going on, guys? We got a lot to talk about, a lot of different sports happening at the moment. It is sports overload at the Daniels house right now, and I'm loving every second of it. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's just hit the ground running. Thunder with a massive win over the LA Lakers, 105-86. They're now 2-1 and one in this eight-game stretch in the bubble as everybody's getting ready for postseason play. The Thunder look really good, and I know the, the Denver game was pretty sloppy from start to finish, and they had an opportunity to win it. They don't get it done in overtime, but three games in, I'm really impressed with where the Thunder are right now, and I'm excited to see what they look like against Memphis on Friday. John Morant is one of my favorite players in the league already as a rookie, so I can't wait to see what he looks like against Chris Paul and SGA in the backcourt there. That's going to be a ton of fun. Unfortunately for Memphis, Jaron Jackson goes down with the injury, and that severely hurts their chances of really making a run here. So, like I said, John Morant, one of my favorite players to watch, and he's only a rookie. Joe Adkins and I have post-game reaction from Thunder Lakers, 105-86 win for the Thunder. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. But man, the NBA is killing it. They've been terrific. I think the product is outstanding. From a broadcast standpoint, I think they've done everything the right way. It comes across really well on television. I said this last week. I feel like it's a little bit of an intimate type situation where you have a front row seat to watch this event. It's like a summer league game, but the level is just so much better. And, And this is something that I've talked about for a couple weeks. I think the competitiveness that you're getting inside this bubble where nobody has anything else to do, nobody has any distractions, you're not traveling and just going through the grind that is an NBA regular season with the travel in different cities, and you're not distracted by everything going on in the outside world. All these guys are in the same place, and they have to see the same faces over and over, and I think that breeds another level of competitiveness that we generally don't have. So I think we're seeing that right now. I think guys being in this situation where you don't have arenas full of people screaming at you allows for especially the role players on these teams to feel a little bit more comfortable and overall I just think the product has been outstanding I'm not the biggest NBA regular season fan out there and that's something I've talked about for years as the season goes on I think my interest grows but this is awesome it's a lot like the UFC when the UFC came back without fans I was very skeptical as to how that was going to look, and I actually like it better now. Speaking of the UFC, I think we only have like nine days until the Cormier-Miocic trilogy fight takes place, which I can't wait to watch. That's going to be incredible. DC is one of the best dudes out there, and hopefully Joe and I will be able to get him to hang out with us on the pod one of these days. But he wins the first fight. I thought he was on his way to winning the second fight until Miocic started landing those body blows. And I don't don't know that I've ever watched a fight and felt punches that somebody else was taking like I did when Miocic was hitting Cormier with those body blows. It was it was unreal to watch how that fight ended. So Cormier, two-division champion, and Miocic, one of the great heavyweights of all time. Major League Baseball continues as I kind of thought they would. I know the Marlins situation made a lot of people and sports fans feel uncomfortable about how Major League Baseball was going to continue and handle this situation, and I know there have been other teams that have run into the COVID problem. I did see something cool, though, with Major League Baseball at the Phillies-Yankees game yesterday. Everybody's doing the cardboard cutouts, but in Philadelphia, when a player hits a home run, whatever seat the home run ball hits, they put a cardboard cutout of that player in the bleachers. I think that's a brilliant idea. If I'm a player, I absolutely want my face littered throughout the outfield seats. So 
I think that's a pretty cool idea, and I like the fact that uh, Philly did something right in that capacity. The Big 12 continues to have talks about the college football season and how this is going to work. It kind of sounds like we're going to have a non-conference game in week two of September before conference matchups begin in late September. Once again, the fact that they're even having these conversations and planning for regular season football confirms my thought that they're going to do whatever they can to get some sort of football in, regardless of whether they're confident that they're able, they're going to be able to finish a season. But they are moving forward, and I love it. I saw this tweet from Brett McMurphy yesterday, and this is about as good as it gets when it comes to talking college football. Brett McMurphy tweets, College football playoff announces selection committee's final ranking will be December 20th, Semifinals scheduled for Rose and Sugar Bowls on January 1 with title game in Miami Gardens on January 11. Also shortened, teams required stay at title game site by one day. So this is interesting mostly because I think we've all kind of had the conversation about what a college football playoff committee looks at during this crazy college football season that we're about to watch and how that's going to unfold and how much weight will a loss carry if half your football team isn't playing because of COVID or, or a decent portion of your football team isn't playing a specific game because of COVID or say one position group is essentially wiped out. Trevor Lawrence has COVID and can't play for two weeks. In that two-week period, maybe they go one and one and they struggle to score any points in either game, but they're winning every other game 50 to zero when he's out there. Like this is going to be really incredible to watch play out. It's why we love college football because it's the debate and everybody has all these metrics that they want to use and everybody seems to pick and choose what metrics help their argument. And I love every second of it. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this is going to play out. I'm excited to see what this looks like if we get the committee explaining rankings week by week and we get to a scenario where at the end of the season on December 20th, the college football playoff committee is giving us four semifinalists. I think it's going to be bananas. And I think for their sake, they have to hope that this thing plays out in the way that it does most years where it seems to be, for the most part, pretty clear cut. But who knows what may happen? You may not have a single undefeated team in the country. You may have teams that we all consider the best teams in the country with multiple losses that you can attribute to COVID. I have no idea how this is going to work. But if they're able to get a full season in, the college football playoff shows are going to be must-watch, and I'm there for it. The PGA Championship starts this week as well, the year's first major. I was supposed to go to the Masters this year. Actually, for the second year in a row, I was supposed to go to the Masters, and with COVID, this didn't work out. Didn't work out last year for other reasons, but maybe I'm just not destined to be in Augusta, Georgia. However, first major of the year, the PGA Championship, I'm kind of like Brooks Kepka in a lot of ways with golf. I show up for the majors. I'm there in a big way for the majors, which is also why Brooks Kepka is my favorite golfer. I have no idea what he does when the majors aren't happening, but four times a year, you can bet your ass Brooks Kepka is front and center and a favorite to take home hardware. By the way, the hockey has also been pretty great. My Chicago Blackhawks are up 2-1 over the Oilers. That's been a fun series to watch, especially when you consider Connor McDavid and being the, the phenom that he is on the other side. If there is a single sport that I think misses having its fan base in the building, watching the games, reacting to the action, I think it's hockey. I don't feel like the product is significantly different from a baseball standpoint without a crowd there. I don't feel like it's 
too crazy in the NBA without a live crowd there. I actually like the UFC situation better without a live crowd there. But the level of chaos in the seats for a Stanley Cup playoff game is unlike anything else. And when you're watching a playoff game and it's a tie game or it's a, you know, one goal differential with five minutes left to go, the amount of stress that is in that building is incredible. And you sense that through the television watching Stanley Cup playoff games. Not having the crowd there, I think, is a significant difference in what the product is from a viewership standpoint. And I still like it. I'm still watching. It's still good. But when you have Stanley Cup playoff games, the live crowd makes it great. And we use the word great way too often in sports, but a live crowd at a Stanley Cup playoff game is great. Half the time, I want to vomit in the final minutes of one of those games, and my team may not even be playing, but that's how good it is. Last night, I was getting ready for hockey overtime with the Blackhawks and the Oilers, and the Blackhawks put one in the back of the net with about a minute 15 left, and they saved me from a lot of anxiety, but man, Stanley Cup playoffs are great. All right, here is the OKC basketball team live stream that took place last night. Myself, Colby Daniels, and Joe Atkins following the Thunder's 105-86 win over the Lakers. The OKC basketball team live stream with myself, Colby Daniels, and Joe Adkins. Joe, I feel like I owe you an apology. The last time we did this post game, I don't think I gave you a proper introduction. Did you feel like I played you up enough last time? Oh no, we're good. We're good, man. I'm just along for the ride, man. I mean, I can I can say like former Oklahoma State star Joe Adkins. I can say like All-American Trash Talker Joe Adkins. I can say like <laughs> Mr. Confidence Joe Adkins. I mean, we can, there's a whole bunch of different paths we can take for your introduction. Well, I mean, you know, you're Chris <laughs> Paul, so I, you just put a little and I'll finish you, baby. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to call me, CP3. So the, the leading scorer, Chris Paul, at least for tonight in the, uh, in the big win over the Lakers, let's, let's – uh, Let's talk about it, man. 105-86 is the final. Oklahoma City moves to 2-1 and one as far as their, their bubble games. Five to go before the postseason. They were they were really good tonight. Now, I, I think it's it's worth mentioning, and we talked about this in the last postgame, Joe, the Lakers and what they had on the line going into this matchup. So I think out of the gate, there's an understanding that the Lakers probably weren't feeling a ton of urgency. But to me, I don't think that necessarily takes away a whole lot of, of how well OKC played. No, and and you know I thought for the most part the Lakers they really didn't look engaged. But I mean when you played Anthony Davis twenty nine, LeBron thirty minutes, you want to play well. And part of the reason um, the Lakers didn't play well is because uh, the Oklahoma City they were very good defensively. Um, I, I thought it was a very good team effort. The Lakers didn't shoot the ball well from the outside, and so you know. Oklahoma City, they had a few breakdowns where LeBron was able to just get to the lane and get layups, but for the most part, they were able to kind of control the paint and force the Lakers to take shots from the outside, and the Lakers didn't shoot it well tonight, and Oklahoma City were able to capitalize on that. You know, the one thing that's been a constant, I think, in these three games, and and once again, we saw it tonight, is how well the Thunder have played defensively, you know, out of the gate. I mean, they're playing the kind of defense that we expect to see when the postseason rolls around. They've They've already kind of reached that level, it seems. Well, and, and that's the one thing Oklahoma City is going to have to do. Um, they're going to have to be a blue-collar team. They're going to have to find ways to win games ugly because they don't necessarily have the star power to win games, you know, at the end of games and have a guy who can win it on their own. So it's going to take defensive efforts collectively and then a numerous, a numerous guys on offense being able to make plays but headed by Chris Paul and probably SGA. 
They uh, they really poured it on late, as as you kind of expected. The Lakers were probably going to try to make that push at the end of the third or, or to begin the fourth, and they did make that push. And and really, I thought it was the Thunder that came out on the better end of that, never really allowing this thing to get within striking distance, where the Lakers really felt like they had an opportunity to to make that run and and you know strike to to make this a game in the final minutes. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, every time the Lakers made a little run where they made a couple baskets, the Thunder Day answered um, with the, with a couple baskets of their own. Um, I thought uh, they every time they were able to withstand runs, and, and they were just really better today. I don't think Oklahoma City played great. They didn't shoot it well from the three. At, at, neither did the, neither did the, uh, the Lakers, but I thought when the game was close, the Thunder found a way to make a couple timely threes which kind of spaced the game open. It was probably more of when they made those five three-pointers than actually only making <laughs> yeah. the five. Yeah, five of 24 from downtown for the Thunder, five of 37 from downtown for the Lakers. Neither team shot the be- shot the ball well from the, the three-point line. Not at all. And you're going to see that because, again, we talked about this, where guys are still getting their legs back. So you're going to have a little bit of that. Um, you know, The Lakers, they'll be back-to-back tomorrow, so they'll rest some guys. So it's just trying to get guys in the groove of things. But Oklahoma City probably play with more urgency and coming off a loss the other night and probably a game they should have won. They probably felt they needed this one and to get back on track. And you had a lot of guys step up. You had five guys in double figures. So you can't complain. And you had a great defense effort. So Oklahoma City, you're feeling a lot better headed into the bubble today than you did a couple nights ago. LeBron James goes 7 for 19. Anthony Davis goes 3 for 11. So a combined uh, 10 for 30 from the two superstars in this game for the Lakers. How much of that was the Thunder's defense and how much of that was just those guys maybe not having a good night? I mean, whatever you want to say about the Lakers and how they played overall, how much of that was impacted by Oklahoma City's defense? Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to give Oklahoma City some of the credit. You know, anytime you have two great players, um, it, it's hard to. It's going to be hard to have those guys go ten thirty on any given night. Um, so Oklahoma City, I, I'll say you give those guys credit because they did force those guys to away from their spots and their comfort spots. And those guys did miss a couple shots that they probably make most of the time. But for the collective, for collectively, for Oklahoma City, you just want to make it tough, and they were able to do that tonight. And then they got the breaks because those guys didn't shoot it as well. I don't think you depend on winning games like that. You expect those guys to be better. But Oklahoma City, all you can do is ask those guys to test every shot and make it tough, and, it, and, and hopefully they miss. And tonight they were fortunate, and they were able to get, that, get, their, get those breaks. Joe, I kind of felt like in the loss against Denver, they really felt the absence of Dennis Schroeder, who was not available for the first time, uh, You know, obviously attending to the birth of his second child. The Thunder, I think, in, in several ways missed his presence. Tonight, I kind of thought you had multiple guys stepping up. I thought the the structure of of the substitutions by Billy Donovan to allow you know the team to have somebody on the floor that could kind of be that guy. And and I think you have to give SGA and Chris Paul credit for you know maybe stepping up their games when when they were on the floor with you know those young wings uh, for the Thunder. But overall, thoughts on on how they adjusted without Dennis Schroeder tonight versus you know what we saw against Denver a couple nights ago. Well, I, I thought in the in, in the last five minutes of, of the game, they definitely executed a lot better. But they also the game weren't it wasn't as close. So guys are definitely playing a lot more comfortable. But you like to see those young guys out there getting those experiencing moments just in case they're called upon. 
I mean, I we know when 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 um when uh dang what's, what's our guy's name? My my point guard, um, Chris Paul, SGA. Uh, no, Schroeder. Uh, Schroeder. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, when Schroeder gets back, of course we know he's gonna get the minutes. But just in case one of those guys get in foul trouble or you call on one of those younger guys, that they're able to get some quality minutes and hopefully be prepared for that moment. Thoughts on Baisley and Diallo and just, I guess, their progression? Because, again, this is a very short period where guys are going to have to be playoff ready very, very quickly. I think the Thunder as a team are playing really well. But as you know, you get into the postseason and that rotation is going to shrink drastically. And even the guys that are getting minutes probably see less. Confidence level in in where those two guys are as as young players and and just kind of energy guys for this team? Well, I think you have to be happy with how they've played. I, I think they've been solid when they've been asked to get on the floor. They, they've been productive. Uh, and the most important thing, they haven't made a lot of mistakes. And that's that's what you want to see from those younger players, just the development and not making mistakes. And when their opportunity comes, being able to capitalize. Um, so if you're Oklahoma City, I think you like where they are. And they're proving that if, if you go to those guys, that they can be productive and they understand their roles and, and, and they could possibly contribute. So I think Billy Donovan has to be happy with those young guys in development because it seems like all of those young guys have improved from the last time we saw them, which was before the break. We mentioned both Anthony Davis and LeBron James struggling from, from a scoring standpoint. Shea Gilgis-Alexander didn't score the ball efficiently tonight as well, but once again, I, I just kind of love his feel for the game and I love the impact that he has on that team when he's in the game. Yeah, one thing about him, um, being a young player, sometimes young players, when they don't shoot the ball as well, it tends to affect other facets of their game. And he hadn't let, let it do that. Uh, he's been able to still get guys involved. He still gets seven rebounds. So he's being active around the ball. He's doing other things to help the team and not letting his uh, offense, his shooting, uh, affect the other parts of his game. He was able to still make some plays. He got good looks. He just didn't knock them down. So it was good to see him not get frustrated and let it affect the defensive end and, and seeing him continue to make really good plays offensively and not force tempo or maybe force it to score, but creating and maybe getting other guys involved. Is this as loose and carefree as we've ever seen Chris Paul play the game? Because I kind of feel like he has such a calm demeanor about him and it's it, it never feels like he's really forcing the issue. It never feels like he's really trying above and beyond to make something happen to the point that that like he's pressing in some way I don't know that we've ever seen Chris Paul like this laid back and relaxed and maybe some of that is just kind of being in that underdog role where nobody expects you to do anything anyway especially with this team coming into the season they've been underdogs since the the first game of the year so maybe that contributes to it they've already kind of you know superseded any expectations that people had for them but he just looks so calm and collected and chilled when he's playing basketball right now. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is because he's such a wildly, wildly veteran. And then the other thing is that he knows this is his team. I mean, no matter how bad or how big going for him, they need him on the floor. So when you know you need it, and of course any team in the league need Chris Paul, but for this team to be successful, he knows. He has to play well, and when he's not, he has to still be there and engaged and keeping those guys engaged. I think this may have been the biggest role he's ever had or impact on a team because he's playing with such young guys. So I think for him, just he has to be under control. Because as he goes, that team kind of goes. So he's kind of been the filter for Billy Donovan and probably been so much of a help in that locker room that 
I think the composure of himself, just being the, the veteran he is, it just proves how good Chris Paul really is. Does Gallinari get the credit that he deserves in OKC? No, and I think he's been an underrated player for years. Gallinari, if, if he's healthy, he's always been productive. All, you can go all the way back to when he was in Denver. He's always been a guy to score points, and I've always liked him. Um, he's a guy who can just do a little bit of everything. He can do a, He's pretty good at everything, maybe not great at anything, but he's always going to be an 18 to 20 point scorer if he's healthy and plays the entire season. And depending on the matchup, I think he can, you know, just from a, a matchup standpoint, he can give a lot of teams problems at that four spot. Yeah, because he can slide into the four because he's a big body. He's big, has a big body, but he's also very smooth where he can play on the perimeter. He can space you. He's able to draw fouls and very just crafty offensively um, and, and pretty wise defensively where it used to be a weakness, but now he's kind of figured out his way and his niche, what he can do and how to keep guys in front of him and not be a liability on defense. I'm pretty sure when Steven Adams went down with JaVale McGee, I heard the entire Oklahoma City Metro from my house out in the country between Edmond and Guthrie collectively lose the air in their lungs. It was, he, he takes that fall, he gets up a little gingerly, next thing you know, he's, he's leaving the floor. Steven Adams is a fan favorite without a doubt, and, and I've been saying on the podcast for two weeks now, I feel like physically he looks as good as we've ever seen him in Oklahoma City. Like, for the first time in a long time, it looks like not only is he healthy, but he has energy, and he's he's just his body is 100%, and he takes that fall, and I think everybody immediately feared the worst when you see that replay. It looked pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. I mean, for both guys, I, I thought it was a weird fall. Of, and both of them hit the leg kind of get caught up, caught under each other. So it was weird, and it definitely was, was, was you know, a little scared because no matter what, you know Stephen Adams is the anchor to that defense. So they're going to need him on the floor, and they don't need him banged up. And as you said, he looks a lot better. I think this huge break helped him as much as anybody on that roster and allowed him to just get healthy because he had gotten so beat up. You know, he was taped up everywhere before the break, and now he looks pretty good. Now he's running. And he's back to changing ends and, and getting that speed, changing ends and running. He's able to good, get good post position and allow those guys to get in good angles where he can score the basketball and be a lot more productive offensively. By the way, I, I know that JaVale McGee is not as bad as people want to make him sound like he is, but I don't know that I've ever seen a highlight of JaVale McGee where he's doing something positive. It's almost like every time you watch SportsCenter or anything, if JaVale McGee's in the highlight, it's because of something like tonight where he and somebody else are hitting the floor or he's fouled somebody or he's dribbled the ball off his foot or, like, I, it, it's crazy to me how, like, bad things in highlights seem to follow this guy, right? Am I, am I crazy there? I mean... Javel, I mean, Shaq in the food, you know, Javel McGee is always about, gets about eight nominations. So, he, 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 as you said, he does find a way somehow to negatively bring attention to himself. So, he's uh, he's just one of those guys where something's always happening. But, yeah, that was definitely a little scary when you saw Adams go down because he's a little more valuable than Javel McGee for all the <laughs> with the Lakers. So, that's for sure. I'm glad Stephen was able to get up and um, kind of walk that off. Hopefully he'll be ice up a little bit and maybe rest up and he'll be ready for the next one. I think when you see tonight's game, the, the worry for me with the Lakers winning it all is, you know, I think LeBron and Anthony Davis, they, they are great almost every night, 
but they have to be great every night for that team to make the run. I just don't think their supporting cast is nearly as good as like the Clippers, for instance. And I know they beat the Clippers a few nights ago. It's the best duo in the NBA with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like that's the best two-man group you can you can potentially put together in the NBA right now. But on a night where one or both of them aren't playing great, I don't know who you turn to. There's there's just not anybody else that you feel like could be that guy. And with the Clippers, I feel like there there are other guys that on any given night potentially give you more, I guess is the best way to put it. Not that there are other stars, but I just kind of feel like you probably get more consistently from other players not named Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with the Clippers. Yeah, I, I think the Clippers have more guys who, who are able to do more offensively. But even with LeBron James or Anthony Davis, when they're not playing well, they're still going to draw double teams. So the key for those other guys with Los Angeles is going to be, can they make open perimeter shots? And that'll, that'll be key how far they can go in the playoffs. If those other guys don't shoot it well and space the floor for those other two guys and James and Davis, then it's going to be tough on the Lakers. And when they, if they have to see the, the Clippers, because when you look at the Clippers roster, they can so many guys at them, it's going to be tough for them to win if those other guys don't make shots. They're going to have to get contributions from those guys when they play the better teams in the West. NBA standings right now in the Western Conference, LA 1, obviously, Clippers 2, Denver 3, Utah has the four spot, and they're only a half game ahead of the Thunder. The Thunder and the Rockets right now are both 42-25, and 25, but the Thunder have the tiebreaker. So if it ended today, the Thunder are playing the Utah Jazz in that 4-5 matchup. Again, they're only half a game behind the Jazz. They are two and a half behind the Nuggets for the three spot, which at this point probably seems a little bit far-fetched to think that they could catch Denver. But if it's Utah, I think that's the best-case scenario you know, in terms of Oklahoma City being in that 3-6 or 4-5 first-round series. Yeah, well, I, I think out of anyone, you, you want to take the team in Utah because they they probably offensively, they're the lesser of, of all probably – all, the entire teams that are going to be in the playoffs just because they're minus a 20-point score. And uh, they, they're starting to play a little better and figuring it out, but I don't know if they're just – when you play one way and then you lose a guy and you're trying to just play a complete different style of play after missing four months and you don't get 21 days to do it, it's just a lot of pressure on that team. And, and I thought Oklahoma City was able to really bog down um, Utah the other night defensively and as I said as I said the other night I think Stephen Adams has found a way to to find success against Gobert now I thought early in in their careers Gobert the size affected him he wasn't able to get the position in four but I thought in the last few times we've seen Adams has played much better versus Gobert and matched his numbers yeah I I I could certainly see a situation where both the Rockets and Thunder jump the Jazz, and that becomes the 4-5, and the Jazz fall all the way down to the 6. I think both teams are playing significantly better basketball than the Jazz, but if it, if it holds, Thunder fans have to just be ecstatic about it. I, I, I Again, I can't say it enough. I think it's such a better matchup than Denver or Houston for OKC. Most definitely, because those other two teams can just score so many points, and they have so many guys who can score the basketball. Um, Utah is much easier to defend, and it's going to be a much – the pace will be much better in. And, again, they're just down another guy. Um, the the playoff, being that it's in Orlando, I don't know. You know, playing with no home court, that'll be a lot different. So, in that particular manner, it won't matter. 
but I think it's more like a European flavor where guys are really trying to fight to get the matchup they really want to see in the first round because you don't have to worry about home court advantage. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun. I know the Thunder, or I, I shouldn't say I know, I'm pretty confident the Thunder have the tiebreaker over both Houston and Utah. I don't know what the tiebreaker situation between Utah and the Rockets would be if this thing comes down to the final game and we're potentially looking at a three-way tie or, you know, the Rockets and the Jazz potentially being tied for the same spot. I'm not sure what their situation is, but I'm I'm like 95% sure that the Thunder have the tiebreaker over both of those two teams. So that'll be fun. Um, watching this game tonight, Joe, it reminded me the last time I actually attended an NBA game was Thunder Lakers at the peak. And I think it was like late November, early December, but the Lakers, LeBron James in that Laker gold, the first time or the last time actually that I've, I was live for an NBA game. Do you remember yours? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't remember when I've seen him play like, uh, I saw him once this year, but I don't even remember who I saw him play. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, a lot of time. it feels like about five years ago. I'm going to say, man, it, this season, it, it's, man, it's been so long. It, it seems like it was, it was a decade ago. Then when I, when I saw a basketball game, uh, in Chesapeake arena. So those years are kind of dwindling together right now. Yeah. I know it's, it's year two for LeBron in that Lakers uniform, but it, it still looks strange to me. Like, I, I don't feel like I've gotten used to it still. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying when you say you don't get used to it. And then last year, we didn't see him in the playoffs. Right, so, yeah. And that's the main thing is that you're so accustomed to seeing that jer- those jerseys in the playoffs and you didn't see him. So he kind of went away on us for a long time. And that's probably why he's had so good of a season because he did get to rest for the first time in 10 to 15 years. It's been a while since he hadn't made the playoffs. So not only did that probably motivate him, but it really helped him heal a little bit. And, um, you know, he's had the best season for a guy at 35 years of age. So I think the rest was much needed and well-deserved. And uh, I think he took full advantage of that. Speaking of things I'm not used to seeing, Anthony Davis not playing well against the Thunder is something I'm not used to seeing. And it goes back to him hitting that three-pointer, uh, you know, for that playoff spot. But I, I, I feel like every time I've seen Anthony Davis play the Thunder, he's just, I mean, sensational, like MVP caliber. And again, he was, he was uh, not good today. Yeah, this this is uh, the first time probably we've ever seen him burst Thunder not play well, including in the world. Um, he's been the Thunder killer. I mean, he was a reason that they didn't make the playoffs before. So he's kind of been the jank on them. But uh, they were able to finally have some success guarding him because they hadn't had some. It was probably good for Oklahoma City to get the, some confidence that they could kind of uh, – hold him under wraps a little bit because he's had so much he's been so dominant versus those guys um that um they they needed this so so defensively i think holding the lakers 86 points because they're one of the more efficient teams um i think oklahoma city they they have to feel really good about that defensive effort they put on the floor today did you watch any of the blazers rockets game last night yes carmelo anthony looks good huh yeah i I think Melo he lost some weight um they moved him back out to the three with the with the develop, with Nurkic coming back in play, and I think that's why he lost the weight. So he's shooting it a lot better, and you know, 
Hoodie Mello is always in those types of gyms. So, hey, he's, he's like back working out in the summertime. This is where the legend began is in the gym, right? Yes, indeed. So it's, it's good to see because Mello, um, after what, you know, you heard so many things about him. I thought when he was here, he was a true professional. Um, it, except for his exit interview, he probably finally expressed himself. But, I mean, all year he was great. He done the interviews for everyone. I, I thought the media around here really – hearing guys talk about him now, it kind of changed their image of what they thought of Melo by the way he acted when he was here. So I think it makes, like all, most of us around here, we're happy to see him have some success here. You know, I, I'm not, I wasn't one of those guys that was at every practice or at every game or every media availability, but I, I can say this, at the ones I, I was at, if Carmelo Anthony was ever there, the dude was as nice and as professional as any player that's ever been through here. I mean, no. I, again, I, I know a lot of people talk shit on him and say a lot of bad things about him, but I, I never had a bad experience with him. I thought he always carried himself the right way. I thought he was always pretty playful and, and had fun with everything, but uh, very businesslike as well. And, and so I think when, when you come across anybody like that, you have to, I, like for me at least, it's nice to see them have any sort of continued success. Like he, he just wasn't a, 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 you know, a D-bag like everybody kind of made him out to be. Yeah, and, and I thought what he did, I mean, he just handled himself as a true professional. And as guys get older, they kind of understand the reputations that they have in the league. And, and no one likes to, to be have a reputation of being a D-bag. So I'm sure he's matured over the years, and, and now he is a wily veteran. So he, he's doing exactly the way he should what he should do is be a leader for 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 younger guys and, and teaching them how to be true professionals. And it sounds like that's exactly what he's been reporting and when you have when you heard Damian Lillard speaking about him yesterday. Hey, are we sleeping on the Miami Heat at all in the East? Um, I don't know if we're sleeping on them, but I, I think there are teams – the East has a few teams that, that can that I think could, could come out of there. I mean, if Miami's able to shoot the ball well if it's from three, I think they're dangerous because they're very good defensively, and, and they're going to fight you. They're going to play well. They're going to – they're going to do some things. Bam out of bio. They have some Jimmy Butler. They're tough. So, you know, they're not going to give you anything. They won't be an easy road out. I, I still like Philly a little because I just think when you have really good players in the playoffs, everything slows down a little bit and the stars, stars tend to play better. But Boston, they have firepower. But I think I, I kind of like Toronto. I, I think they're, they're big nerds have them playing at the top level of basketball again, and they're one of the better two-way teams. Not only are they very good offensively, but they still guard you. And um, they just play champion, championship pedigree as we're heading into this. They're starting to play really well. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tom, Toronto was there again when it's all said and done. I really hope that Zion Williamson isn't as fragile as kind of the Pelicans are making him seem. And I, I said this in the last podcast – I get that he's the franchise guy and they're looking at, you know, the the long road and the, you know, the 10-year franchise type scenario rather than, you know, this one year where maybe you make a playoff situation, but you're not going anywhere ultimately. You're not winning a championship this season. So I get playing it safe to some degree. At the same time, like I think the, the entire basketball watching community is like, let you know, let's fucking unleash this dude. Finally, like, what are we waiting for? Yeah, it's kind of weird because you had all that time and he came back. His body looks a lot better. Yeah. But I guess he left for 
maybe seven days or he had the quarantine. So maybe it's a conditioning problem. But I am surprised that, the, you know, the first night he was back, after all this time sitting out, you would think that he would be healthy, that he was only playing 15 to 17 minutes. You know, I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense yeah. when you're trying to actually make a run to the playoffs. So hopefully they're just being extremely cautious with him and it's nothing actually wrong because he is one of the future stars in the league. And one of the reasons why we actually have 20 teams that are actually there is because the the, the excitement for Zion Williamson and what we're doing is him. Yeah, I mean, the NBA should just cancel the Pelicans if they're going to throw him out there for 12 minutes a night. Most definitely. Like, you're I'm, only here because of Zion, so play him, for crying yeah, out loud. Most definitely. And, and, and I would hope that as, as this goes on, they'll, I think there are four or five games left that we'll see him a lot more, and they try to make that push to get in the playoffs. But um, it, it's definitely disappointing that we're not seeing more of them. I'm, uh, I'm disappointed that uh, – my man crush, John Morant's team, is is kind of leaking water. That thing seems like it's going down fast, and then they lose Jaron Jackson. Uh, they are they are struggling, but, man, that dude's fun to watch. Most definitely. One of the most entertaining young guys in the league. Um, no doubt rookie of the year. But if we talk about um, experience, Kobe. They're a very young team, and this is playoff atmospheres, and – it, it the league changes, it gets a little tougher, and you see some of the inexperience. Um, losing Jackson hurts tremendously because I mean he stretches the floor so much in spaces to allow Morant to be able to kind of be as creative as he is. So uh, um, I think Memphis is probably going to play themselves out of this deal um, due to injury, especially now they weren't playing well. Now losing Jackson, I think that hurts a lot. But it's still a great experience for those guys, and and I like to put. I like putting young guys under the gun to put them out there to see what they're going to do. And if they fail, you want to see how they're going to handle that adversity and bounce back and get hungry yeah. and how they're returning that next season. Well, that's the Thunder's opponent on Friday, 3 o'clock start. The Grizzlies have lost all three of their matchups in the bubble since they had that uh, that debut against Portland, l- losing in overtime. But they're 0 for 3 in the bubble. They play the Thunder. As you mentioned, if there's any urgency there, you're going to see it against uh, – uh, this team on Friday, and I love the point guard matchup as well. Like I said, I'm a big fan of watching John Morant play, but he's uh, he's got a lot, uh, you know, he's got his hands full, I guess is the best way to put it, against, you know, the variety of things he's going to see at the guard position that OKC brings to the table. Definitely. Um, and it'll be a game where Chris Paul will definitely be up for, and uh, Oklahoma City, they need every win, so they're going to come in playing they're, – they're, They'll come in, uh, Memphis will have their attention, so they'll be locked in and loaded and uh, focused in and trying to get another win to make sure they secure a, bear, a higher spot so they can get that opponent they're really trying to face. All right, are you uh, are you making the championship parade uh, plans yet? Uh, not quite. <laughs> not quite. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we should get the parade ready because – I mean, we're we're saying they won four or five, but you win that series, you get the Lakers. So, in in a way, it's kind of like, ah, man, you. But I you mean, mean the, I, the you Lakers that they just beat one hundred five eighty six tonight. Yeah, you can't duck anyone. <laughs> you can't duck anybody. So you, you're either gonna play the Lakers or the Clippers in that second yeah. round. So I, I'd much rather face the Jazz so you can win a playoff series and just get those guys every every time those young guys get on the floor in the playoffs and you can get another series it's just more experience for your ball club and breeds more confidence for the following year so i, I definitely would hope they can advance the second round and, 
And who knows, you know, if they can extend that series with the Lakers to six or seven games, man, you never know. With the young players and draft choices there, maybe they're able to find a guy and add another guy here in Oklahoma City because of a Chris Paul. So we'll see. I mean, Oklahoma City, I think Sam Presti, at the beginning of the season, everyone was kind of down and didn't know. But now he's probably like the smartest man in the room again, like we've always said. You know, so Oklahoma City should be excited where they're at, not only during the season, but where they are with draft choices and, and young players. So um, the future is very bright here. So we're going to watch good basketball, and we'll be watching playoff basketball for a while, I think. You know, I thought uh, I thought that this team kind of made his job easy a little bit because I think the expectation was you've got to get whatever you can for the players that have value this season, and and you were going to have to make moves if this team sucked and struggled out of the gate and and buried themselves in a in a hole regarding the standings. But they the, the fact that they played so well and and won as many games as they did early allowed you to have more patience to to kind of see this thing out. And then when you kind of reached the point of the trade deadline, it was like the standings said, you've got to let them keep playing. Like there's, they're in a, in a position where you don't have to sell for the sake of selling. Like they're, they're playing good basketball, so you can let this thing play out versus if they had been, you know, 10 games under 500, it's a terrible product, it doesn't look good, then you're, you're kind of forced to have to make whatever moves you can to get whatever value you can. I mean, Gallinari's a perfect example of that. Gallinari's probably not here if the Thunder weren't playing well, right? He has no contract beyond this season. They probably move him to a you know a team that's trying to make a push and get whatever they can for him, expecting that he's probably out the door next season. The fact that they make this push not only potentially makes them suitors in the offseason, but you just didn't have to give him away for nothing for the sake of you know being a bad basketball team. Yes, and that was the most important thing. You just didn't have to give him away, and you're able to make the playoffs and and. and and really extend that value for him. And you never know. Um, you, it does put you in position to where this offseason now, Gallo, he may think about staying. Because especially if you win a first-round playoff series, then veteran guys, then they see that opportunity that, hey, maybe I can win here. Um, winning always is, is one way to get guys to, to enjoy themselves and, and bring happiness. So Oklahoma City with this team, and it seems as a collective unit, they're, they're very close and they're, they're, they enjoy being around each other. So it could be a destination where we see more players wanting to be a part of this franchise. Yeah, I don't know how you can't watch these guys, not only off the court and everything they do together, but just the way that they interact with each other within games, the way that they play together. Like, obviously, this group likes each other. It's, it's very apparent in their interactions, and I think it's, it's apparent in just the style of play. Nobody is making anybody else seemingly work harder because they're slacking off. It kind of feels like there's that, that common respect from man to man where everybody feels the need to, to do their part and not let anybody down. And I think, Joe, you've been a part of a bunch of teams. I'm sure you've been a part of teams that didn't have any chemistry and a bunch of guys that didn't like each other and you've been a part of teams that had a ton of chemistry and everybody were friends and generally in that latter situation you get guys that play harder because they don't want to let their you know the guys that they care about down no question i mean you play not only do you play for yourself but you play for the other guys in that locker room and and just the success you have together it just makes the team it just makes everything easier when when you like being around each other you have no problem giving up giving upon yourself for the other guys because you know he's going to do the same thing for you 
And that's just the basic thing of what we've seen in Oklahoma City this season that has been different from any other season we've ever seen is that the team is just so close-knit together and the how they win, which is much more collective than we had seen where they win with just superstars and star power. No doubt, man. Another big win for the Thunder, Friday, 3 o'clock tip against the Grizzlies. So that one will be fun. Obviously, the, the sensation that is Ja Morant against this Thunder team that's trending in the right direction. 105-86 over the Lakers is the final tonight. The Thunder 2-1 and one as uh, they continue their bubble play, getting ready for the postseason. I am Colby Daniels along with Joe Adkins. This is the OKC Basketball Team live stream. Joe, always fun, my friend. Take care, man. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll see you Friday. Peace. Podcast is over.